Okay, hi everyone. We're so glad that you're joining us. Uh, I feel like I'm just catching up <laughs> to myself right now. <laughs> but that was fun going live before we're live. It's good. Yeah, we're 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 trying all kinds of new things. We just went live on Instagram to get ready to go live on YouTube. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, we are ridiculous. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like but everything about this time is ridiculous. It so. is. It's good to name there it and go. laugh. Yes. I got to say though, I. Did not have a lot of laughter in my day today. I had oh. one of those, like, the walls are closing in on me uh, days. Yeah. I got up for a walk. You know, I biked to the church tonight okay. in hopes that that would sort of shake some of the stuckness so off. So what was the deal? I don't know. I just get bored. I'd say I live. I, I I was just kind of annoyed and agitated. You know, when you're like, I eat in the same place I'm working. I'm looking at screens all day. Just sort of feeling... I do understand that. I was just kind of feeling stuck. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking about that theme a lot because one of our episodes coming up for uh, Between Sundays, we're calling stuck, which we think is really great. Yeah. So maybe I was just kind of aware, like, yeah, there are some moments in this weird moment, this weird time where I feel feel stuck. Cool. But I biked over. After party is a highlight in my week. So hopefully it's a highlight in other people's week. Where are you going? <laughs> okay. Um, how's everyone doing tonight? We would love to hear from you let us know how our sound is what you're noticing uh in the in the live i'm uh, back in my seat in the live experience there here we go. i just adjusted some of the exposure a little bit it was okay, a little perfect. bit a little bit off perfect. hopefully our focus gets back in <laughs> oh well uh yeah but we'd love to know how other people are doing let us know uh how how you're feeling today or Let's um let's talk for a little bit and then we will we want to ask some questions of people who are watching get some feedback on you know what's happening around church mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff so yeah totally let's do that so what do you what do you check in I just said how I was feeling. yeah um it's funny when you were talking about that I was thinking of my daughter she I posted a picture on Instagram she does not want to be put down at all right now um and I can't get this focus in the camera but she doesn't want to be put down at all right now so Rachel holds her about twenty hours a day. And I hold her about three hours a day and she cries about one hour a day. Aww. But as long as you're holding her, then everything's great. Like she, she's happy. Yeah, she loves it as long as she's being held, which is it's kind she's of She's like, but. yeah, she's like making up for lost time. Yeah, maybe that's it. A little bit. Although she got more time. She, yeah. She's born premature. She's had extra <laughs> right. time to be yeah, right. She so. has. <laughs> Come on, Em. Yeah. Chill out, all right? Come on, Em. But it's not, it's doing, something is, is doing it. Work for her though, like her little cheeks have really like they just look like a oh, little chubby, healthy baby mm -hmm. cheeks. She has she definitely great. like filled out to like a normal chubby yeah. little baby now. Um, it's it's crazy. Like, I mean, she's she's great. She's doing really well. The pediatrician's really happy the way she's growing. But it it is crazy when you look at photos when we first got her. Oh um, to now, just how much how resilient human bodies oh, are. Oh, right. The fact that she's. Yeah, like, like they're meant to thrive. Yeah. Like give 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 the body what it needs <laughs> and it is meant to thrive. Seriously, it's 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 quite incredible actually. So it really so is. for everyone who's been asking, uh, Emma's doing really well. She's growing really well. If you check my Instagram, there are some photos of her there. Yeah, she's she's really cute. So too, cute. So. Yeah. So cute. So and she's got such big eyes. That's our favorite thing right oh. now. So big duck. Big dark eyes. eyes. Yeah. Really cute. So. Oh, so cute. <laughs> uh, but other than that, um, in terms of check-in, um, yeah, I think, you know, I think this is the first week where I've started to be just a little more, um, I've had more time. We haven't been quite as busy and starting to process a little bit of the sort of being sad about not 
being in the room and doing mm -hmm. church the same ways. Um, it was kind of, to be honest, like it was kind of fun for a few weeks to sort of pretend we were making a TV show and record <laughs> all these videos and right. stuff. Um, well, like, you're incredibly entrepreneurial. Yeah. Like, I mean, and that kind of like startup, like, mm -hmm. Ooh, we got a new challenge. Yeah. Like, what can we throw at it? What can we try? I think there is a lot of, and I, I really enjoyed energy that to in it. some ways for that first month. And I think this was the week, um, as I was writing the sermon and getting ready, just thinking, Oh, like, um, yeah, I'm a little sad about, I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit in my office and I'm going to do the mm -hmm. sermon instead of being in front of an audience and, right. and not, not, um, so much the, like the audience, but just like not reacting to yeah. what's happening. Like, I'm just, I'm going to do this on my own right. rather than being able to sort of see what's happening right. and engage. I think it's, it's one of the things that, um, maybe I didn't recognize at first, but now that I've done a few more sermons this way, I realize, um, I write a manuscript, I have it ready to go, but I'm realizing how much of the performance of it is mm -hmm. like seeing what's happening and interacting with people mm -hmm. in the room. Uh, where now I'm not doing that. I'm just looking at the camera and the camera yeah. just looks back at me and you just go through my, your material. Yeah. And you know, you, you put work into the sermon, you put work into the material. So you're confident about it, but at the same time, it's like, you don't actually know which parts really to dig in on, you know, the way that you could maybe, um, mm -hmm. yeah, because you're just, you're just not getting that feedback. And so mm -hmm. this was the first week I was kind of like a little bit sad about yeah. that. I also had you know, a funeral coming up. Yeah. Um, and just even like thinking through that, like, how do you, how do you do a funeral right now? What's that like? And how do mm -hmm. you, how do you meet with a family to prepare this? And how do you go about all of it? Yeah. And I have two funerals coming up actually. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. It, it felt heavy in a different way this yes. week. Yes than it has for me anyway. Interesting. So far. Yeah. It's interesting to, it is interesting to kind of check in with people's timelines on this thing, you know, right. in terms of like cycles of grief or, you know, what, what is sort of coming up for people or what barriers are kind mm -hmm. of hitting at different times or returning to, or like, Oh, I thought I kind of processed feeling sad. Why am I feeling sad again? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like what's agitating me? Yeah. Like, man, I'm just kind of ticked and I'm just kind of annoyed or I think it's helpful for us to be talking with each other mm. about, uh, my son is, feel? um, he's always very emotional. Uh, but yeah, I mean, right now it's like, he's just up and he's down yeah. all over. And that, Rachel and I were talking about it and just realizing, yeah, like, okay, so this is like, there's all these things, there's change in rhythms, there's mm -hmm. loss of school and friends and all this type of stuff. And that it just comes out in these sort of strange ways for him right. where it's like so much energy. And then, you know, um, like right now, the big thing is when we do anything with school that he doesn't get immediately, it's just like, um, you know, I don't, I can't do it. Uh, you know, I, you know, I don't understand it or whatever. Like he has no capacity to sort of fail and try again at uh, things right now. Right. Um, which, it's yeah. like resiliency is a little thin. Yeah. Resiliency which is, it's is fine. Like, I mean, thin. you understand that, but Absolutely. you just, yeah, you're just realizing how everybody's processing in different ways. So. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, we did a little bit of chatting before, turning the cameras on about uh, our lovely after partiers. That's what we're calling you. Yeah. <laughs> we need a name partiers. for what yeah. we're going to call. After partiers. Like we have the commoners. We can call people that. Yeah. But, 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 the, but the after party needs a different name. It, it needs something special. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what you are. <laughs> and we, we feel good about it. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, right. <laughs> but we were talking about the, the, our, the people who tune, tune into after party being a great resource actually mm. for some of the conversations we're having as a team and so we in line with what we've just been talking about sort of resiliency and 
uh, checking in with ourselves. You need to As check I keep something. talking, I'm going to change something on your mic. Oh, okay. Who's going to hit a button? Oh. Was it off? Nope. <laughs> it's just slightly different. Okay, great. Better, right? It's just going to be like a little bit Better. more clear, I think. Okay, great. Talk. Great. Uh, yeah, so so we wanted to have a, a conversation here, but also welcome the conversation in the live chat now, uh, but also like if what we talk about tonight sort of sparks something in people's imagination or their considerations, like we would love mm -hmm. to hear from people. So yeah, we actually, last week we tried that a little bit, interact yeah. a bit more. I think now we've sort of, it's taken us six weeks. <laughs> we kind of figured out all the technology, how to do this. And we're not even millennials. Yeah, exactly. We are old Gen Xers. Right. You're Gen X. Yeah, you're the same I'm, age as me. Yeah, I, yeah. I, it's my birthday coming up. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Happy birthday. <laughs> May the 4th be with so, you. Uh, yeah, so we're not even millennials, let alone Gen Z, but we're right. figuring this out as we go. So, um, Right. But yeah, we tried to interact a little bit more, but yeah. that's what we're trying to, to see is like, what questions do people have? What are people engaging with? Yeah. We want to hear a little bit more because one of the things right now is we don't have the same feedback mechanisms exactly. that we normally do on a Sunday. Um, as a team, we're talking about this, that on Sunday, we, you know, we see everybody, we get a, a feel for people. Yeah. You're in the room, you get a sense of, um, you know, did the service connect with people at a you know, like a heart level? Was mm -hmm. it meaningful for mm -hmm. them? And right now we're in this kind of time where like we don't, really have any of that. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, experience. other than a few messages we get, which we're right. really grateful for. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we were going to ask some questions of whoever's listening, see right. if they want to give us some feedback. Right. And what we want to kind of have some conversation around, you've used this term a couple of times. It's a term I'm familiar with. Um, but what does it mean to have an experience of church that isn't just about what you consume? Mm -hmm. Like differentiating between some of those uh, parts of like our, our larger culture that we're in and what it means to be mm. the church within this culture. So yeah, take some of that where you'd like to and I'll jump in. Well, I mean, I think what's part of what's interesting about this period is some, some element of church, at least the, the production that we make and we put together on a Sunday. Because, I mean, that, that is part of what we do. Um, there's a rhythm and there's a liturgy to that, and we create that every week. Um, so some of it is, is consumption. People come, they watch the service, they consume that service, and then they decide what they want to do with that on the other side. But we've always tried to make commons um, to steer away from just being purely about you come, you consume a service, you go home. Like we and want to why? Make, we want to why build community in. Right. Well, I mean, I think, I think there is something about, first of all, I think we live in a, in a culture right now where there's so much out there that's available to consume that I don't know that that's all that compelling. Like hmm. um, there's so many talented singers and musicians in the world. There's so many incredible TV shows. Like, can we really create something that competes purely on a consumptive level? I, right. I don't think we really can. Right, right, right. What we can create is an experience that you participate in and you contribute to, mm -hmm. um, and that you feel like you have this, um, not just this emotional connection to, but this, um, I don't know what the word would be, but contributive aspect to Like yeah. I'm part of this. I'm part of creating this. Right. I'm part of, of what unfolds on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. That has shifted now because of the circumstance where we sort of have a very small team mm -hmm. of staff and volunteers that are creating the service and putting it together and packaging these videos and putting yeah. them up online. Uh, I think one of the neat things was Easter mm -hmm. where we had moments of everybody in the community sort of sharing their videos. It actually 
contributing to creating right. the service. And I, I think the, the response to that moment, both in the ways that people wanted to be part of it, but also everybody watching, I think that was that sort of callback to, oh yeah, this is church that's beyond just right. a, a thing that I watch and a thing that I consume. Right, it sort of moved the perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not just there to listen to Scott or Jeremy right. or Bobby. I, I'm I'm also one of, even if I wasn't in the video, right? you know, if I'm a- attending comments semi-regularly, yeah. I now know, no, I'm one of those people, yeah. which I think is real. That was a really important. Yeah. And I think that's change. the piece that it's like, okay, so how do we continue to do that? Yeah. Part of that is, you know, Hey, like literally videos and stuff that we create on Sunday, but part of it is um, how do we have conversations uh, maybe here on YouTube, but also during the week in Zoom chats and all this kind of stuff, just saying, hey, like, what is working right now? What do you need from church yeah. right now? Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like? Is, is good content, provocative ideas, is that what any of us really need right now when everybody's making podcasts and YouTubes right. and, you know, throwing right. stuff up online? Right. Or is there something more communal that we Relational. can create and how can we create that? Um, and I don't know. And I mean, I mean that's what it, one of the interesting things is we're, we're trying to figure out how we learn about these things. Yes. Yeah. It makes me think a little bit about, I mean, you did youth ministry. I did youth ministry. I did. I have a, I have a youth pastor story on Sunday. On Sunday? Yeah, you do? coming up. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't have okay. very many youth pastor stories. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I probably have some, but not yeah. like crazy. We used to, here's a youth pastor story. Okay. We used to have. Not um, the one for Sunday. No, not the one okay. from Sunday. A different one. I, they only have two. <laughs> one on Sunday. Here's my other youth pastor story. Okay. When I did uh, junior high ministry, which was my favorite, by the way, I, high school kids, you had to work too hard to pretend you yeah, were cool. Yeah, I, I also did junior high stuff and loved and it. And I was not cool. <laughs> you know, so it was like yeah. junior high was just like, this is an adult. And he like is interested in me. And if you understand where they're at developmentally, you're not fighting against them. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, you're just like yeah. flailing. Like I can, I'm on yeah. board with that. So I was all over that. But we did have uh, the top 10, which were these rules that everybody had to follow in our junior high program. And, and it was like, rule number one was like, respect God and respect yourself and respect your neighbor. And, you know, there's yeah. you know, all these things. But number 10 was no touching Pastor Jeremy. That was a rule <laughs> that all the kids had to learn to abide by. Uh, they, I, didn't, they didn't like fight against it and try to like touch you though. Like it was like a challenge. It was like right? a real, like oh there was some God. rules that were kind of fun. And then there was like, number 10 is like, no touching Pastor Jeremy. So. <laughs> Don't That's put great. your grubby little junior high hands <laughs> on my hands. Don't get them dirty. Like I was, but I was ahead funny. of my time, Bobby. I was, I was. Oh, I'm with you. I also. I was anti-COVID before COVID. Was <laughs> <a thing>. so. <laughs> That's so good. What I was gonna say though is. Uh, there, there was this moment, I think, in like youth ministry philosophy where we were moving away from like just get them in the building to entertain them uh-huh. to like what does it mean to build meaningful relationships that sort of travel with students, you know, through difficult seasons. So I think there's something about hmm. that, those kinds of consumption questions, entertainment questions that like, oh, we can't really compete with right. the kind of entertainment that kids could access and now you're competing with youtube yeah i know right in in people's homes you don't even have to leave your home like it's so funny though because like when i was a kid it was like transformers was awesome like that cartoon but also the movie transformers the movie there's something that happens to you when you talk about so exciting it's like accessing something in you i don't know (laughs) something deep inside me (laughs) pearl jam and transformers but um but my son, like, all he wants to do is watch these YouTubers. It's really hilarious, yeah, actually. He so. does love them. He does he? love them. So, 
<laughs> we made some more videos this week of playing frisbee in the backyard. <laughs> Same thing. Hey, Dad, film me. Hi, everyone. Put a comment in the like below. Like, is it just videos for us in our backyard? But he always tells everyone to leave that's a comment. So funny. He's got <laughs> so like weird. a liturgy of YouTube memorized. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay, so back to our question around. Uh, like spirituality and community and church in this particular time when what we're doing as staff, as a team is like creating all of this content mm -hmm. and asking questions every week, like, is this as meaningful as we hope it is? <laughs> you know, yeah. is this enough to maintain the engagement of the people that have filled these pews in this room for years, you know, um, is, as our as our routines have totally been thrown and mm -hmm. turned upside down, is the uh, is it enough to have a rhythm and a routine right. that's based on your screen, like for certain hours on mm -hmm. a day? Yeah, just, we're just asking all of these questions and sort of wondering about. Yeah, and I mean, there's a couple of comments in here. You know, I've been enjoying watching this format because you're talking to each other in person, which is interesting, just to like yeah. sort of vicariously live through conversations right. that aren't aren't scripted the way that right. a Sunday is. I mean, right. a Sunday is um, is crafted yeah. in a very particular way because we're trying to move people, yeah. well, we're trying to move ourselves through right. a liturgy um, that, that's very ancient and find ways to update it, but you're moving through a, a progression yeah. and, it's, and it's meant to take you somewhere. Right. Um, that is a very beautiful thing. But yeah. there is, you know, uh, again, to this comment, you know, there's something yeah, really beautiful that. about that sort of unscripted type of conversation right. as well. Yeah. That normally this is what would be sort of happening in the lobby with, you know, hundreds or yeah. a thousand people over the course of a day. Right, right, um, right. And now it's just you and I, which is <laughs> a little bit of a bummer. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's that same type of um, free-flowing. Yeah. Maybe we got a bit of an idea of where it's going, but let's be honest. We yeah, don't really know really. where this is going. I do a little thinking about it. Jer walks in 10 minutes before we start and says, what are we going to talk about tonight, Bobby? This is true. <laughs> uh, but our plans have worked out okay. Yeah. It's true. I, I, uh, the one Instagram thing I watched today uh, was uh, I love Bon Appetit. Like, mm. they You talk about that one a lot. I you just, like that one. I really love what they do on YouTube. Okay. I like what they're doing in this moment. I like the personalities a lot. I like yeah. a lot about the interactions between these Bon Appetit personalities. But Carla, one of my favorites, I use her cookbook. It's great. <laughs> she was talking to Rick, who's like quarantining in Mexico. I think that's his name. I'm less familiar with him. Because the, they like using so they, Zoom and back So and they forth. did like, uh, you know how Kevin does uh, uh, living room worship yeah. and introduces. So they were like split uh, yeah, screen. Yeah, cool. I, don't, I have no idea how people are doing that. Yeah, I don't even understand how that works. <laughs> <laughs> only, only Kevin understands how to do that. <laughs> and Carla, bon appetit. But I, I realized as I was watching it, I'm like, they're not telling me anything I really care about or need to know, but I couldn't turn it off because mm -hmm. I was like, this is a real conversation. It's not scripted. I'm really enjoying just watching these two people. I feel yeah. like I know, but I don't. <laughs> you know, I felt a little less alone today just watching a, like two people have a real conversation. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see. Yes. Ashley says, yes, it was Rick. <laughs> I, love, I love, Ashley, you always know the things. You know the things. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyways. Yeah, so, I mean, these. anyone else, it's in the chat. What is, what's meaningful for you right now? And I'm not just talking about things that we're doing here at Commons, although if there is, let us know. But um, rhythms, patterns that are meaningful for you. And it can be Bon Appetit. Um, yeah, it totally. can be things that have nothing to do with church. I yeah. mean, the sacred is not confined to just the stuff that we Preach give. Preach it! <laughs> <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> uh, but 
I mean, it's so true. I mean, no, that's something say that we, it again. The, the sacred is not confined to the things that we give that label to. Right. Um, you know, everything is sacred. This mm -hmm. is These are things that we talk about regularly here at Commons. Now, there is a time and yes. a place for a particular type of sacredness yeah. or a particular naming of the sacred. It's like, it's, I, it's like I, I read and care and love the scriptures so I can see the scriptures. Right. Right? Like the word of God in the world. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm more able to like spot the divine because I'm well acquainted with the story of the divine. I think mm -hmm. that's very true about our experience in the world, right? What you're saying about the sacred that when, when, what I've absorbed in my like life of church yeah. going has, I think made me a more whole person to encounter God outside the walls, hmm. but it doesn't mean I, I, I want to abandon what's within the walls. Right, right. It continues to like shape me in ways I, yeah. And we sort of have of. this misconception. I mean, um, sacred, I think, is really about sort of the naming of those universal themes of life that, that are woven through everything. So everything is sacred in the sense that everything is alive and mm -hmm. we're participating in all that. There mm -hmm. are moments when we're able to name these things in a particular instance. So like resurrection at Easter, we right. name resurrection and the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus, capital R. But then the, the sacredness of all life is the fact that, you know, every spring the, the earth resurrects and, yeah. you know, in our lives, we have relationships that, you know, fall and, and even die mm -hmm. for a season mm -hmm. and then they come back to life. Right. And so the naming of the sacred that happens here in a room at an altar in pews in a church yeah. is what then allows us to see the sacred in everything else. Right. So it's not, it's not to say at all, when I say everything is sacred, it's not to say there's no point in specifically sacred moments like church. Yeah. Because as, as, as you're saying, that's what enables us to see everything exactly. everywhere. The problem is then when we, we take that concept and we flip it to, well, these things are actually sacred in the sense of being set apart for God or where God is present in unique ways and everything else is secular in the sense of it's, right. it's just normal or it's boring or yeah. non-sacred. I remember just like breaking up with that word mm. and the division. It was the division yeah. that I was just like, I'm done with it. I don't you I don't that language isn't helpful mm. for me. I'm not interested in saying that is secular. Right. And this but, is but sacred. isn't um so I totally get that. Yeah. Um, and I think I use it in different ways now, but yeah. at the same time, I think there is something like I find in my preaching, yeah. I find there's something really powerful about saying, you know, this moment is sacred or this emotion that you feel is sacred or this thing that you've gone through is sacred. Yeah. I and also love that language. Yeah, yeah. And it's not, and it's, it's a, it's an interesting dichotomy because I'm not trying to say that is sacred as opposed Therefore, to everything else, right. but the naming of it. And the using of that language actually can be really powerful yeah. um, if we use it in ways that broadens our awareness, not closes exactly. down our awareness. Exactly. I think that that is that was always my interest right. is that I love the language of the sacred and I just lost interest in language of the secular, mm -hmm. you know, um, and just because I was because it seemed like that was always narrowing and looking to like assume that God wasn't in places. Yep. And I thought, I'm going to assume God is in really mm, surprising I like places. That. Uh, so I'm going to dismiss secular. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that the word needs to die. Yeah, Just yeah. in terms of how I speak about the experience of the divine, and I'm going to continue to hold mm -hmm. and move through and open up this idea of the sacred. So I'll, I'll give you something. I okay. think I think secular actually can be a really beautiful world, yeah. word when we talk about secular as the normalizing of things. Okay. So 
um, John Cobb, who's a theologian who I like a lot, who's a process theologian, who oh. we brought up process theology yeah. a few weeks ago, and we have not gotten back to it. Right. Sorry, Daryl, who asked us yeah, to do a follow-up on process and open theism. <laughs> um, and if you have a question about process theology, put it down in the comments. And, and then I'll, Jerry will make I'll, uh, Rene Girard right video. Yeah. <laughs> That's what but, we're waiting for. Um, what Cobb talks about is um, the secularizing of Christianity. And mm -hmm. he means that in the positive sense of the themes. Keep going. Just the themes of the Christian story, the themes of resurrection becoming the normative language of our culture. Right. Now, there can be a downside in that because things that become normal, again, they lose their sacredness yeah. and then they can lose their meaning. Yeah. But there can also be something beautiful about taking sort of... Um, like the image of the divine being in all human beings, mm -hmm. when that becomes secularized, right. meaning everyone in culture I agrees think, to the idea that we are all divine. I in think that's sense. happening now. I know. Right? In terms right? of like our global commitment to care about especially vulnerable people right. around, like we've never been in a moment like this where we could be like, yeah, I'll stay home. Yeah, I'll lose money. So yeah. can the sacredness right. of caring for the vulnerable be secularized right. in the sense I of the society now begins to adopt those things? Yeah. That actually becomes a really yeah. interesting and beautiful idea. So the sacredness yeah. is what reminds us of those moments where we name something true. Yeah. The secularity of it right. is that idea now permeating out into all of our conversations right. and becoming normative for us. Right. But you need that sort of constant cycle back yeah. and forth because if you don't talk about the sacred, about. it becomes secular and then it becomes normal and boring and we right. lose it. Right. So you have to name it as sacred again, right. which reinforces you know, the secularization of it. But it's this, it's this two ideas playing yeah. back and forth with each other. And that's where... Um, I think it's a it's a real problem when we we create the dichotomy. So there's sacred or there's yes, secular. Yeah. But we can do the same damage when we start saying, oh, I, I'm not going to use this word. Yeah. I'm not going to understand the beauty in one Point or the other. Taken. And I'm not blaming. <laughs> <laughs> I like your argument. <laughs> I was just but, about to say, I'm not, I'm not pointing that at you. I, just, you know, I was referring to another period <laughs> in my life. <laughs> but that's what I'm even talking about as well. No, it's really lovely. In my life where language has meant certain things, yeah. and then I've come back around to it in new yeah. ways. No, that's really lovely. So. In fact, one of my ideas for our next journal project oh. is a series where we're doing some of these like both ands, mm. less like either ors. Yep. So taking like sacred and secular cool. and on a Sunday exploring that and bringing it both and rather yeah. like doing some of the work around things like that. So uh, yeah, it's, it's teaching I mean, 2020. Yeah. So this is an interesting thing is right now, um, this is the period every year where we plan the journal for September to come out. Uh, it's, it feels a very strange time to be planning you know, the next 12 months of teaching. I mean, we're going to do it because that's part of our yeah, rhythm. And I think it's actually, it. I think yeah, I think it's, it's actually, it's, good. It's, it's grounding and it's healthy for us to yeah. have those rhythms and to stick with them even I now. Don't, yeah. I don't want us to go into no. this whole other year. I want our themes to be big enough for us to encounter them, whatever yeah. the situation is. Totally agreed. But at the same time, this does feel like uncharted waters in, in the sense of like, how do you plan a year? How do you think that far ahead? Yeah. And what types of themes and thoughts do we need to explore? Yeah. Now, part of the beauty of our exercise with our journal project is um, a lot of what we do. If you haven't, if you don't have a journal, uh, send us a note. We will mail you one. I actually delivered a few right. around the city uh, yeah. after we mentioned it on the after party a few weeks ago. But 
Uh, if you look at your journal over the last six years, there's been six iterations of it. Every year, there's a Words of Jesus series. Mm -hmm. It's anchored directly in the, in the direct teachings of Jesus, so not just the gospel. So that was our Sermon on the Mount series this year. There's always an Old Testament narrative. So mm -hmm. we pull something from the Hebrew scriptures and we work our way through it. That This year was Jonah. And there's always a New Testament letter. For the last five years, that has been yeah. Romans as we've worked our way through them. Uh, we're done Romans, so we'll be on to a new letter. But those sort of a three anchor series, those eat up half a year yeah. generally uh, on those three. And then the rest of the year gets filled in with things like Christian calendar, right. Easter, Advent, those types of things. And then a little bit of topical stuff yes. that we think we need to address. And I think that is um, the beauty of this journal project is as we head into the next year, there's a commitment to say, as crazy as everything is, there's still this commitment where we're still going to go to the words of Jesus. We're still mm -hmm. going to go to a New Testament letter. Mm -hmm. We're still going to go to the Hebrew scriptures. Yeah, I mean, this then is we'll what fill the gaps. our tradition has done for as long as it's been, yeah. right? Like we, you return to the scriptures, whatever yeah. is going on. I think the lectionary has made yeah. its way through I mean, how long has lectionary been around? It's actually not that long. No, lectionary, it's I, I believe, is like two, 250 90s. years. It was, I don't think it's that long. It's post-Reformation for sure. So it's not like... Way post. Yeah, exactly. So it's not in the Reformation. We're the such nerds. I know. <laughs> <laughs> nerds that actually don't know that much about the lectionary, yeah, obviously. I, know, I don't I even know. know what year they're on. Is it A, B, or C? Yeah. I, I know. know I looked I know it up a while three. ago, but... <laughs> we got our own lectionary. Um, uh, anyway, so yeah. sacred secular. Yeah. How did we get to there? I'm looking at the comments oh, here. Oh, yeah. Uh, Daryl is... Hey, hey, Daryl. How are you? Yeah, and he's saying, I really like John Cobb, by the way. I love Daryl. So John Cobb is, is a really brilliant theologian. Yeah, I don't know his stuff at all. Where is he from? Uh, so Cobb is a student of Hartshorn. Hartshorn okay. is a student of Whitehead. Okay. And I mean, I mean, like a direct academic student did yeah. their thesis with okay. them. Whitehead is sort of the Father American process theology, oh, okay. this is which that. is um, the idea that God is in process with all creation. Right. And don't go too far down. No, I'm not, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole here. But just really quickly, okay. um, process theology. Some people think that means that, you know, God is, is just like us. God's a created being. He's just more powerful than us. That's not what process theology is saying. What process theology is saying is that there is a God who is infinite. But the moment that an infinite God who is unchanging creates something outside of God's self, now God is impacted by that creation. Mm -hmm. So God has a concrete and a contingent pull. Anything that creates has that. So you have a concrete and a contingent pull in the sense of um, if you're a painter, you exist, but now you create something. That's, mm -hmm. that's um, your relationship to what you're creating is now impinging back on you, right? There's the mm -hmm. you that started and then there's the you after you create. Right. And that's what process theology is talking about. It is talking about an infinite, unchanging God who has chosen to be in relationship with creation, mm -hmm. which automatically means that God is allowing creation to impinge back on God. And so sometimes we have what we call pantheism, mm -hmm. which is God is creation. Right. Process theology is a form of panentheism, which would say all of creation is an expression of God, mm -hmm. right? It's a creative expression of God, but that means it's, it's divine. It's an expression of God. But creation cannot contain all of God because God is still concrete, and unchanging and outside of it. Mm -hmm. And so God has these sort of two poles, essentially creation and God, which are in relationship. And process theologians would say, you cannot be in relationship without being impinged upon in relationship. Right. You and I can't have right. a friendship without you impacting me. Right. Um, that doesn't mean that 
God is now just a creature. It doesn't mean that God is now on the same level of us, mm -hmm. just bigger. It's, it's not about that. It's about the very act of creating, being so purposeful and so divine um, that it, it fundamentally just changes reality, yeah, yeah. even for God. Mm -hmm. And that this is something that God chooses. Yeah. God's never dependent on creation. God is never needful of anything. Mm -hmm. God is completely um, fulfilled in God's self, mm -hmm. but God chooses to be in relationship with us. Mm -hmm. it's, it's quite an interesting way. Now, yeah. then Whitehead and Hartshorn and Cobb go into all the metaphysics of that okay, and okay. how we think about Christianity okay. within it, and that gets quite complicated. Do you consider yourself a process? No, I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't call myself a process theologian, um, mainly because my uh, particular theology that I've done at least a lot of work in mm -hmm. would not be at that sort of uh, metaphysics level. Oh, yeah. It's more around relationship violence, um, redemption, atonement. So that, I mean, that's what Gerard deals with. Yeah. Um, I'm very drawn to some of the ideas in process theology yeah. and open theology, which is a slightly different thing. Yeah. Um, but, um, and I'm very open to it, but it's, it's just not the area that I've spent I a lot see. of my focus yeah, in, if that makes sense. Way. Yeah, great. Okay, there we go. Um, Andy joined us. <laughs> hey, what's up, man? <laughs> so good. Uh, so, yeah, so what we were talking about is just trying to gauge what it means to, like, engage our community mm -hmm. uh, and faith in this particular moment where so much of what we're doing is about being on a screen and not mm -hmm. being in a room together. So we would love to hear from people. Yeah. So, I mean, really a couple of things here. Yeah. Um, there's a comment, you know, planting seeds with my church. Maybe it's a cliche. I, I think it's really beautiful. And again, ties into this whole idea, like creation. Like you yeah. plant something yeah. that's now going to impact you back, which is really beautiful. Yeah, and then a couple, good. lots of comments, actually, about people saying, you know, either or. Yeah being really damaging and either yeah. or being the framework that people were given when they came into Christianity or they yeah, came into religion. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I think pushing back against that, that both end is a really significant part, maybe mm -hmm. I would say, of, of what we do at Commons and, right. and sort of the approach that we've taken. Yeah, and I think I, I'd like to see us next year. That's what, one of my pitches. Yeah, it'd be a good fun one. Is that, yeah, even a summer series or something like that, yeah. that we could, I made a little list. I can't remember what's yeah. on it, but that kind so, of like, speaking be more of this, explicit with that, with that language. Of yeah. Like, so speaking exploring. of the both and, yeah. uh, we're half an hour into this, more than that. We haven't oh, yeah. talked yet about the sermon at all. But one of the things I really liked about Scott's sermon yeah. is the way that he honored both the, the, the voice of frustration that sometimes need to be given voice to in our lives. Yes. Um, you know, when we say, I hate you. And the way that that can become, you know, malignant and damaging for us. Mm -hmm. There's actually some themes you're probably going to explore in a couple of weeks in the yeah. How to Be Angry series. Yeah. But I mean, there's that both and yeah. of, you know, Obviously, we know I hate you is not, um, is not a posture that's compatible with the way of Jesus. Yeah. That doesn't mean right. that sometimes those words don't need to be said. Yeah. Because they, we need to express the thing that's happening right. within us so that we can put it out there, so that we can see it, right. so that we can begin to heal from yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think Scott used this word, but it makes me think about disruption. Mm. And like sometimes things really need to be disrupted. You know, there might be a moment where you think, oh man, those words came out of my mouth and like, I kind of hate that I said it, yeah. but it disrupted right. something that needed disrupting. Yeah. You know? yeah I mean, like, I, I'm hurt. Like yeah, that's yeah. what that. And I can saying. think of moments in 
um, yeah, I don't want to talk about them, but no, I, I just mean like, <laughs> know, uh, you know, know it's um, fine. That's fine. I don't want to talk specifics, but I can think I, I thought about yeah. it, but um, there's moments I can think of in my relationship with my wife where yeah. one of us, probably me, um, has said something hurtful, right? Um, but it's the thing that I really felt in the moment yeah. and saying it was the catalyst yeah. to then talking about it right. and moving through it. Yeah. Um, so in, in a sense, is it, is it ever good to say that? Is it ever compatible right. with the way of Jesus? Is it ever compatible with love? Right. No. But holding those things inside and not saying right. them. Is so toxic. Exactly. Doesn't allow yeah. you to move through them either. Yeah. So I would rather say the terrible thing, yeah. put it on the table and right. say, okay, now what, what are we, we going to do, do with this? Right. Then hold it inside. Yeah. Know that I'm thinking it. Yeah. And never be able to express myself and move forward. Right. And this is the, I think, the, the real dichotomy. And and part of what we want to talk about in the anger series, part of what, mm -hmm. what Scott talked about in, in the sermon on Sunday is the issue is not so much the words that we say. Mm -hmm. The words that we say are the expression of the thing that's in our heart. Mm -hmm. And if we get into our heads that the most Christian thing to do is to never say the wrong thing, right. what ends up is we start holding more and more of the wrong things in our yeah. heart, which become the things that shape us and become who yeah. we are. Yeah. So a Christianity that actually says, say the shitty thing yeah, and put yeah. it out there right, right, right. and then deal with it and process it and right, heal from it, right. I think is a Christianity that actually helps us become more Christ-like people. Right. You know, and that, this is the strange paradox of it. But but you'll never be Christ-like without saying some unchristlike things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you say the unchristlike thing and you know it and you acknowledge it, then you actually start to become right. more Christ-like because you say, oh, now I want to move away from that. I want to yeah. distance myself from it. I mean, we wouldn't have Don Draper and Mad Men <laughs> <laughs> if he would have just figured out how to say the things. <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking of Don Draper. So like, is this how? where I admit that I didn't actually finish Mad Men? Uh, surprise i know i never uh, finished tv shows finish things <laughs> here's the thing i finish like everything i start except for tv shows it is a really like quirky <laughs> thing about your personality did you finish fleabag no fleabag i, I loved That's it i loved I that one I episode i watched finish it i know like you, we <laughs> were joking so last good. week like my apple watch i close my rings Every day. I, I was like, oh, boring. Like at 11.50, <laughs> if I get the notification, it's like, I got to I gotta go run quickly to close this thing. And yet TV shows, I'm like, yeah, it was a great episode. And That's I never it. go back to it. That's it. I remember oh, I was going to start a rewatch of Scrubs. I think I said that. Oh, yeah. I watched two episodes. Oh, man, but you love Scrubs. I love Scrubs. <laughs> Apparently, they're doing a podcast, the two That's guys. That's right. Zach um, Braff. Yeah. I need to listen to that. All right, where are we? Okay. We've, we've talked about uh, either or We talked about process theology. We yeah. talked about the sermon a little bit from Sunday. Yeah. What else you got here? My notes. Uh, well, we were going to go through some of Scott's yes. message. And it's just I highlighted some of my favorite yeah. lines and see what you thought of them. I'm interested to see what you... Yeah, yeah. What some of my favorites were. I yeah. mean, now that I'm going to like pull them kind of out of context, it feels a bit strange. But, so for some reason, I know we've talked about this a little bit here but again and it, it came up in a conversation that i was having with somebody this week this idea about living resurrection hmm. scott used that language right near the top of his message to live resurrection and i just wondered if we could like move through that a little bit again like what are we talking about yeah. when we talk about resurrection almost like in a metaphorical 
sense. You know? What do you What do you mean when you talk about living resurrection? Well, that's what I'm kind of th- rethinking okay. in yeah. some ways. You know, I, I I often like we've referred to the spring. You know, this opportunity to kind of see yeah. these patterns of return, and I think that's where I go. Mm. But I think there's something else I'm looking for as well when I think about it. I mean, I was thinking yeah. about the history of the word mm. as well in terms of like, you know, um, yeah. I d- I just did a little bit of yeah thinking through. Even just, you know, when we go back a period in terms of like the enlightenment and this separation Mm. of like body and spirit and this sort of, we kind of inherit this idea from the enlightenment of like you, you exit all of the creation and you, Mm. you know, you sort of like, you're looking for that, um, there's like more separation. Uh, and then thinking about different, uh, what would have been before that? I mean, different ways of thinking about the afterlife um, right. in like medieval times was very like there's purgatory and heaven mm. and hell. And that's a way of thinking about, you know, what is next. Mm. And, you know, even um, some of the early church stuff, um, the, the, the way that language around reformation or, or resurrection really, um, like took shape in those early, like couple hundred years after Jesus was around. I just was thinking about the history of the word hmm. and thinking about the way that we use it, like on the daily almost, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? This idea of living resurrection. Yeah. Uh, are we reducing it hmm. or are we opening it? Yeah. I mean, for yeah. me, yeah. Um, that's an interesting question. I, I'll have to give that some more thought. So maybe I'll talk. This is how I come up with ideas. I yeah, just, I give you all your good ideas. I just talk for a while and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to come back to the other right. thing that Bobby said. Right. right. <laughs> I do feel like, so. I mean, thank you for crediting me. I do appreciate it. You were like, what was your video this week? You Total did a whole true. video on spiritual bypassing. Yeah, I just talked about stuff. I was like, hey, listen to this thing that Bobby said. I give you credit. I was like, hey, I know, Bobby I know. brought up this thing and made me think about this. Totally. Um, but I just, I feel like we use that language a certain way. I think we inherit an interesting yeah. history. And I'm wondering if we could do a little bit more work as what we're still like trucking through Easter tide. Like mm-hmm. there might be r- some room for some more conversation. Again, as Scott said it, it just, you know, when something kind of yeah, jumps up and totally. I, thought, I feel like we could talk about this with a, you know, continue to, to uh, open that idea. A little so bit. when I think about living resurrection, um, the things that come to mind for me is certainly that idea of, of spring and things coming back to life and cycles. Cycles become a big thing. But there's, there's two things that stick out for me. Mm-hmm. One is um, this conviction mm-hmm. that I hold on to, that I, that I really work to hold on to, right. that no one, nothing is ever beyond redemption. Okay, so, yeah, that's, that's definitely Jeremy Duncan language. Yeah. <laughs> So there's no relationships in my life that are so broken that they can't find resurrection. Okay. There's no people that I encounter that have so injured me um, that that I should not look for something good in. Now, I'm not saying I do this well, but these are the things that that come to mind to me Hmm. in resurrection. So there's that. The second is... um, I'll say it this way. I'll say new beginnings. Okay. And I mean, that sounds, you know, okay, that's the thing that you say around resurrection. But here's what I mean by that. Um, And I'm struck by this every Easter when we come to this idea that so much of our language around resurrection is about coming back. So Jesus dies and Jesus comes back to life. Or we die and we are resurrected. 
But the biblical concept of resurrection, as I read it in the Gospels, is this, the, the risen Christ is a different thing than Jesus. And I, yes. and I don't mean, I mean, that can go in all kinds of weird ways. But what I mean is Christianity is fundamentally different before and after the resurrection. Um, Christ is fundamentally different. The, the, the faith that the disciples have in who Jesus is, what he's here mm-hmm. for, what his mission is, what he's accomplished mm-hmm. is fundamentally different before and after. Right. And I talked about this, I think, after Easter in the video a little bit. But I started imagining... Um, you know, because word of the resurrection would have taken a long time to leak out. What about someone who it took a year for them to hear about the resurrection of Jesus? And they're like, oh, the community is reforming. They go back and they connect with their Christian friends again. And they realize what I used to believe in was a Jesus who was coming to Jerusalem to be the Messiah, to lead us to some kind of political independence. Now what I believe in is a Jesus whose kingdom is unlike anything we've understood, who cares nothing about overthrowing Rome, who, um, you know, loves all people and is not connected to, you know, an ethnic um, uh, politic in the world. Like, like, this is a fundamentally different religion that you thought right. you were a part of. Hmm. And that's what I think of when I think of resurrection is where are the moments in my life, not just where I came back to life, but where hmm. I came back to something that was totally new, like I thought my faith was dead and I came back to it, right. but it was, it was totally different. I talked about it different. I thought about it different. I experienced it differently. And then same thing in relationships. So is there a relationship that I thought was dead? Does res- is resurrection when I imagine that, oh, it goes back to the way that it was? Mm-hmm. Um, or is resurrection in my imagination this relationship with this person right. becomes something completely new that has almost no basis in the past. It is, it is resurrected into a completely new life. Yeah. And you end up getting these sort of this mixing of these metaphors between new life that we read about all the time in the Bibles and resurrection that we read in the Bible. Yeah. And sometimes those feel like they're opposite things, right? Like is new life just a, a second version of the same thing is resurrection actually not resurrection. It's something new completely. And mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I mean, it's it's that yeah. whole new expression of life that's always bubbling up inside right. of you. So when I talk about living resurrection, that's what I'm thinking about is where am I aware of ways that I can change the new person right. that I can become, how I'm going to think differently, how relationships will change and evolve in new ways. That all to me feels like resurrection because that's that feels like life to me right. rather than just... Um, continuing the thing that I've always known. Like, right. like being resurrected in the afterlife Yeah, better not be just me, more of me mm-hmm. as I know myself, right? Okay. Like I want it to be something new. I want it to be something right. bigger, more beautiful. And I that's think what that's I the in. other part of the question is like we use language of resurrection in this, in this life. And so I think some of the question is like, what, what does it tell us about the afterlife? Mm-hmm. Like what is our imagination right. for what, how does resurrection inform my imagination, mm-hmm. shape my imagination for the afterlife? And I think that is like, that's a, a much more <laughs> uh, sort of tricky thing yeah. to wonder about. But I'm wondering if, you know, we're spending a lot of time talking about it here, yeah. but are we missing hmm. something when people are holding like, real loss like there's you know the the people have died in their lives and they're wondering like we keep talking about resurrection but like 
they have no encounter with this person that they actually lost. Like, what is our mm. language our, of resurrection doing for our imagination of death? Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I mean, we at Commons, we are still within, um, still within we're, we're deeply within that Orthodox tradition yeah. where resurrection means um, some type of, you know, I, you know how how we language this, I don't know, but yeah. but a real tangible resurrection, right. like not just a, a metaphor. No, right. That, that Christ came back That's to what life. Our creeds. Say. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. this is this is the you know the heart of what it means to be Christian yeah. is to believe in resurrection, in very tangible, physical, literal ways. Now, I think the only way you can believe in something that big and that good is to see it in small all moments all around That's you lovely. all the time. Yeah. That's lovely. You know, I right. think I think it becomes very hard to hold on to the deep truth at the heart of the Christian resurrection right. unless you're willing to see it metaphorically right. everywhere. Right. So it's like you, if you already sort of see it in the cosmos, it is something cosmic. Like right. it, it might be an idea that is true yeah. because it is evidence. Right. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I, that's what I think of when um, anytime we see sort of these these core biblical ideas like resurrection um, occurring in other religious systems, in different humanist traditions, all right. these types of things. I'm like, well, of course they are. Yeah. Because that's the truth of the universe. Right. You know, like, yes. like the universe is, is resurrecting. The universe yeah. is recreating. This is what God does. Yeah. So, of course, when God shows up in human history, yeah. God resurrects right. because God has been resurrecting since before right. there was a, a universe to resurrect, right? right? You know, um, Well, that's an interesting thing, right? That resurrection was long before. Yeah, like, like there were cycles, you know, yeah. in, in our solar system before there was humans right. on this planet and there will be long after we're yeah. gone because this is what God does. Right. So, of course, the thing that God does when God incarnates into our story. Right. Is, is to embody resurrection right. and to embody life. Right? And I feel like that that's part of the story right. that could use yeah. some airing. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> okay, next yeah. Easter. Right. Let's talk about right. cosmic resurrection. And cosmic resurrection, life. exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it can even just help to use like when we, to think about our names for hmm. uh, Jesus and the Christ yeah. and that that can be a helpful way for us to sort of clue into which part of the story mm -hmm. we're referring to. Uh, so we haven't gotten very far in <laughs> Scott's sermon. Uh, we loved his 90s rom-com reference, 10 Things I Hate yes. About You. People loved it. It was a good time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's go to 10 things, but great yeah. comment here. Somebody say, uh, there's real tension between community truth, accessing the new through resurrection. Resurrection often comes with its own loss, loss of old structure and stability. And this is so important. I think that's part of what I was trying to get at with those, those idea of those followers of Jesus yeah. now coming to the resurrected Christ. Yeah. Like so much loss of what they thought they were going to get from Jesus. Yeah. Now that's met with so much more in terms of what they're gifted. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean there's not loss. Right. It's not just like a... Right. Yeah. And so same thing with right. our resurrection of those who, who, who die, yeah. you know, there is loss that's met with, we yeah. trust, you know, we hope we, we have faith. That's yeah. what, that's what the heart of our story is that that will be met with even more connection and more relationship and more beauty. Mm -hmm. But we have to acknowledge the loss in this moment. Right. Those, those early followers, each just had to, had to reflect on the loss of the fact that, Oh, I'm not getting the country and the kingdom right. and the sovereignty. I thought it was, yeah. I am getting, something more expansive. I am yeah. getting something more beautiful. Yeah. Um, but 
pushing the one down yeah. is not a good way to celebrate the other. Right. Um, and those things can be held in tension and they can be held at the same time. And, you know, again, I have Both two funerals coming up, but this is part of what you're always trying to do when you officiate a funeral. You never, I never want to, I talked about this in the first sermon series, I never want to rush someone through, oh, you know, they were a believer, Jesus loves them, it's all good, you know, let's celebrate. Um, at the same time, you want to point to moments of joy. You want to point to mm -hmm. um, the support that's in the room between people. You want mm -hmm. to remember good moments. Um, and, and finding that balance is, is difficult mm -hmm. sometimes, I think but so I, important. I think the same could be said in a, maybe in a little bit of a different way, but for weddings, like oh, sure. you don't just want a ceremony that's like, your life is great, happily ever after, yay. You know, it just sort of yeah. feels like, like life's harder than that. Relationships are trickier than that. You, yeah. if a ceremony feels like really true and beautiful and good, when somebody's at least been able to yeah. name like, I always try to find like one up. one awkward moment to like name one of those things. Yeah. I just like doing it because it's because it's a way that you can enter a bit of levity. Yeah, but you can also name something that we yeah. all sort of know. We talk right. about. I always yeah. try to do that in a yeah, wedding. Yeah, too, yeah, so. just to like carve out a little bit of space for like. Yeah the sadness of yeah. that day. So which I think is, uh, one of my pet peeves, there. do you remember people used to do the, um, the, the candles yeah. and the unity candle? Yeah. You still see it a bunch, but it yeah. used to be like really common. Yeah, very much. And one of the things I hated was you'd always light the two outside candles and then you light the center one and then people would like blow out the outside ones. So yeah. the two candles would represent them and they'd light the new candles to represent no the more. And then blow these ones out and I'm like, okay, <laughs> now you don't exist anymore. Totally. There's no Brad and no Angelina. There's just Brangelina. <laughs> and even that doesn't even work anymore. So, um, but just like that whole idea. So I would always, I was like, I love the unity candle. Of course we can do that, but yeah. you must keep all three lit. <laughs> I was like, I don't need to explain it. I don't need to talk about right. it. I don't need to ruin your moment. I just want all those candles lit at the end of the service. So you both Has still exist. Has anybody ever looked at you and like <laughs> blow it out? Both anyway. of you still exist as individuals. <laughs> and now there's this new thing yeah. between you. So, uh, but yeah. rom-coms references. Yeah, rom You're into that. Because 10 I Things know. I Hate About You is one of my all-time guilty pleasure yeah. romantic comedies. I love that it's movie. Great. It's I a great. I haven't seen it in a movie. long time. I remember my brother watched it over and over yeah. and over again. And it's based on like Taming of the Shrew. It's Taming of the Shrew. <laughs> Which Scott didn't mention. I know. And I, I, was, like I mentioned that. It's in my that. sermon on Sunday because I'm like, Scott didn't even talk about that. This is I the know. Taming of the Shrew. It's great. I know. Exactly. It's a, it's a great film. It's a lot yeah. of fun. Heath Ledger. Yeah. Oh, speaking well, of death. Speaking of <laughs> That's sad. And um, good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Julia yeah. Stiles, who's yeah. excellent in it. Yeah, she's so good. Yeah, and then uh, there's like a quirky dad too. He's pretty. Yeah, funny. Yeah, he's very funny. And the other guy, who's the guy who plays the love interest of the sister, who then oh, became famous. Oh, it is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's oh yes, 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 yeah. yes. That is, I need to return to that movie. That's a good movie. I'm going to get into that it. That and Mean Girls. Mean Girls is good. Yeah. That's a fun time. Mean Girls are like, that's that's probably like two of my yeah. like chick flick rom-com yeah. that I love. Yeah. Is Rachel on the same page with you on those or does she have others? Uh, she watches You've Got Mail. You've Got Mail and Sleepless in Seattle. There are many of us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And right now, yeah, so that's, and now she's watching Harry Potter again, I think. But Oh, nice, 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 nice. Yeah. Uh, Great. Kev has, oh yeah, Kev has a Julia Stiles story. So You're going to tell it? He, I mean, he must have told it somewhere. Ashley knows it clearly. What, did he tell it to us in Slack? No, where was where it? On the, it? In the live chat. 
Was it in live chat? It well, was We don't in the even live chat. know anymore. That's the problem no. with this time. So Kevin, yeah. who is our worship arts pastor, met Julia Stiles. He saw her at a restaurant, went up to the doctor, yeah. and apparently she was not impressed that he interrupted her dinner. Fair enough. Totally. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Sorry, Julia, yeah. if you're watching. Sorry. We're so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got one last thing here. What do we got? Okay. It's almost 8 o'clock. What okay. do we got left? I one mean, last thing. What? I feel like, what do you think Scott was most excited about? I mean, we can't really speak hmm. for him, but you at least read the message and talked to him about it before yeah. we heard Yeah, if people don't know, uh, our oh, team, I mean, we write all of our sermons collaboratively. The collaborative might be an overstatement. It, that is an overstatement. Yeah. But we... We definitely support each other. And yeah, we work on all of our series ahead of time. We plan them out for the year. But then everyone who writes, writes their whole sermon and posts it, um, at least for me to read. Well, we, we post it for everyone to read, but I read them all and yeah. give notes back. And um, sometimes you can just give me notes on stuff. <laughs> you should. <laughs> My sermons would be much better if you did. There was only one time where I was like, oof, I wish I would have read that ahead of time. <laughs> now, now I really want to know what that sermon was. <laughs> I remember the moment. I'll tell you off camera. <laughs> okay. One moment, though, in all of these years now, That's I was funny. like, oof, should have read it. Yeah, should have, should have. That's what um, I'm counting on. But anyway, I so mean, we do that. So I did have a chance to read Scott's before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There were so many things I liked. Uh, he, he has. Well, I read the manuscript today, and yeah. I was like, "Man, there are so many good sentences. I mm. love words." So, I think sometimes when we're listening to these things, like we we take care with our words. <laughs> and if you're just like making a coffee in the other room while Scott was saying some of these sentences, like I think something could have been missed. But mm. I really loved the way he moved towards the harshest critic in ourselves. Yeah. I found that to be like, yeah, I just needed a moment hmm. with that idea. It was a, it was the kind of sermon that definitely allowed for a lot of personal Did reflection yeah. on our interpersonal spaces. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in some ways we don't have a bunch of like big ideas to talk because I just felt like, Oh, I kept sort of reflecting on my, uh, my harshest words. Mm -hmm. the, that word came up again and again in the manuscript, like harsh words, harsh words, harsh yeah. words. And then this like a harsh critic can mm -hmm. be, can be yourself. And I, yeah. I mean, related to that, the one that I really, I mean, for what, Landon for me was when he went to Jonathan Haidt, who I, I oh, have read yes. his book and I really this enjoyed that. Myth uh, of the, Pure Evil. Yeah, The Myth of Pure Evil, which is from his book, uh, The Righteous Mind, okay. uh, which is an excellent book. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Haidt's concept is that we buy into this myth of pure evil, which is whoever we deem against us, we are able to convince ourselves that that person has nothing redeeming mm -hmm. about them, mm -hmm. which is what allows us to hate someone. Yeah. Because if we actually sort of evaluated that person mm -hmm. honestly and fairly right. um, as a child of God, right. as a right. beloved creation of the creator. Welcome each other as little ones. Yeah. That was Scott's language. Yeah. That really stood out to me as well. Yeah. And if you, if you can do that, um, right. then it becomes really hard to hate. No, it doesn't become hard. Well, I'm sorry. But we're <laughs> still able to critique someone yes, we're still absolutely. able to say hey this is not healthy yeah we're still able to have a healthy boundaries right. and say like if you continue to treat me this way i can't have you in my life right. those are all still fair game but the myth of pure evil is this reduction of someone down to the right. thing that they did to you right and when right? we zoom out into the politics of yeah so much right now this seems very much at play very much i mean you look at our look at our politics yeah um, and this is what we're doing all the time yeah but but that reminder to say no one is their worst moment yeah 
Um, and even if you were the, were the victim of their worst moment, right. that is not the totality of that person. Right. Now, that, that can be incredibly hard, um, just right. even as a truth. Right. Um, there are situations that I can't even begin to fathom mm -hmm. what it would be like to experience mm -hmm. and then to come out on the other side of it. Yeah. But I think far too easily we go to this myth of pure evil that right. someone who I deem against me, someone who I deem as yeah. wrong, um, I reduce them down to just that thing they disagree with yeah. me on. And I think I think we have done this way too much in our politics right now. I think yeah. we're doing it constantly in our partisan politics, but I think we're doing it. I, th I think we, I think we do it all the time and mm -hmm. it's something we need to be aware of. So as a yeah. concept, uh, I had, I had read that before, but it really stuck out with me in the yeah. way that Scott framed it and led to it as well. And I think that was, um, it was a good reminder for me. Yeah. Okay. We are done. We are <laughs> 8 PM. It's 8 PM. Yeah. Uh, we talked a long time. So many good things. Uh, yeah, return to Scott's message. It yeah. it has some real density to it. Bobby's worried really if we'd be ideas. able to fill an hour because uh, Scott wasn't here, and we were. She's oh, like, we're wow. gonna talk about his message. We didn't write it. I was I like, know. it's you, fine. We'll just talk about whatever. It's fine. I I actually really wanted to call you, Scott. Oh yeah, we ran out of time. We just ran out of time. We were gonna phone Scott. <laughs> I know. I had it already. The funny thing about that is that Do it. Scott is one of the only people in my life who's like, I'm just gonna call you, and he'll just call me, and I'm not great at Do calling not call people. Me. Don't call me. That's how I feel too. I'm probably not gonna pick up, but I actually really love when Scott calls. Uh, so we're gonna give him a call. See Scott if there's Walls. anything that Scott Scott has to say. Scott Wall likes to call. Let's see. Let's see. Okay, we're gonna. We're, I promise we're gonna end this soon. But yeah. let's let's give Scott a call. See if he's here. <laughs> I haven't seen him in the chat. So let's see. Yeah, Doctor Wall. Good point. Oh, I thought. It <laughs> no, but Ashley just posted in here. He did. He just finished his PhD, which he did mention in the sermon. So exciting. Oh man, it's great. Maybe he's busy. He's got three kids at home. It's a lot. Ah. Oh! Scott, you're one leaving us ring. hanging. Let's give him one more ring. Message. Hey there, you've reached Scott. Should we leave a message? Hey, it's after party calling. <laughs> um, yeah, Scott did finish his PhD. We slowed him down. We hired Scott when right. three years ago, four and years ago. And then he planted a church. I know. <laughs> so we hired him right in the midst of uh, finishing his PhD dissertation. He finished it this week. Scott is a sociologist. Yeah. And now he's Dr. Scott. So congratulations. We're so proud. That's a good note to end on. We're, yeah, we are we're very so, proud of Scott. We're so, so lucky we get to congrats. work with him. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Peace. Have a great week.